Hi and welcome to the IT Insider Podcast, the podcast to help the IT professionals and enthusiasts better understand the fast-paced world of technology. We hope you'll enjoy this IT Insider production. Hello and welcome to another episode of the IT Insider Podcast series. Today, we are joined by some special guests from our friends at Hain Solutions. And uh, Hain are one of our leading um, analytics partners uh, who have quite a, a plethora of skills and experience in financial management and business intelligence, business analytics. And before I get too carried away, I will hand over to our illustrious guests and ask them to, uh, gentlemen, could you introduce yourselves in turn and uh, I suppose start off by, by just telling us a little bit about Hain and, and what your story is and your backgrounds are. Yeah, hi. Uh, my name's Mark Cracknell. Um, I'm a, a director and part owner of, of Hain Solutions. Uh, my background is very much from um, from the world of finance, so uh, worked with KPMG back in back in the late 80s qualified as a chartered accountant in early 1990. Um, and since then, worked as a, as a CFO um, and as a group financial controller. So a, a real background in, a, in accounting and audit. Um, late, uh, late 1990s, went into implementation of finance systems um, and came across business intelligence, really, um, and, the, and the world of Cognos, as it was at the time. And, and liked the uh, the whole thing around business intelligence, so moved into consultancy at that point. So, so since 1999, been working in in the world of consultancy, helping finance teams with business intelligence and financial reporting. Cheers, Mark, and, and yourself, Tony. Okay, so uh, I'm Tony Redding, sales director at Hain. Um, joined Hain just recently. Uh, long background in in IT and IT solutions, probably about 40 years, I think, at the last count, and probably still counting. Um, having built, sold my own companies, been on the board of a number of large uh, blue chips, actually, across the world. Um, came out of there uh, and was obviously thinking about what to do next. Spent a little bit of time with some of the IT majors, uh, particularly in the application space. So uh, was part of the HANA launch team for SAP. Um, worked in the application space with Oracle. For doing some go-to-market for them as an interim. And then uh, this has always been an area that's fascinated me. I ran uh, Business Objects' biggest reseller back in the uh, late noughties, late 90s, should I say. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, took that through to, to also to a sale. Um, joined, joined Hain really because uh, this is this, uh, the, that point in IT where business absolutely clashes, clashes with technology mm-hmm. and using technology as a toolbox to deliver absolute bespoke solutions. I suppose my, my, my interest in Hain as well was really founded about the fact that uh, over the last two or three years I've majored in cloud, cloud computing. Right. So not only uh, the provision of cloud but moving uh, people, particularly in this analytics space and, and big data space, into the cloud. Right. So I think it's quite interesting and, you know... <laughs> One of the reasons why it's always great to have people like yourselves on on this series is you've both there explained that you've you've got a background in not just technology but also line of business, and uh, from that obviously a, a, a plethora of experience that that lends itself well to, I suppose, und- understanding you know the the problems and the issues that that businesses face today. Um, so. Hena, you guys are a leading consultancy when it when it comes to analytics, and one of the main partners that, that that we work with. And I suppose because we 
we tend to talk more more technology. We overlook really the the types of conversations and the the experience and skill and, and value that you bring to working with businesses. And having said that, you you all have that that background in working with not just technical teams and IT departments, but also the line of business. What's what's a typical engagement from from a HAIN perspective look like? You know, what sort of conversations? Who are you talking to in, in organisations? And I suppose more importantly, what sort of business challenges and problems do those to those customers and clients come to you with? I think for for finance teams, it's it's very similar across industries. What we're seeing with uh, with most organisations is that they've got um, inefficient and, and inefficient and ineffective processes across the finance team. So I think there are three core processes which we, we tend to talk to finance teams about. We talk about the close consolidate process, closing of the ERP and consolidation of their financials. We're talking about budgeting, forecasting and planning. And we're talking about reporting and analysis of, of data. And what we tend to find with, with all finance teams is there's inefficiencies in those processes. And, and, and typical um, uh, end of this is that we're getting to the point where the finance team are not, not able to add value and insight to the organisation. So we're trying to help those finance teams create time and give them the tools to be able to add insight and value and become strategic within the organisation. So almost, I suppose, open up the business so that, that finance can contribute intelligence to the sales process so that that can all feed back into, I suppose, the, the, the logistics of transacting and and that business operating um, and that's I suppose because you know it's easy to compartmentalize yourself as a business that that sounds quite a a challenging proposition that you're putting forward there does it does it fit with any particular size or scope of clients or do you find that your engagements are quite wide-ranging we tend to work across every industry uh, and every size um, even with the very large organisations, you can tend to find that uh, that their their processes are siloed um, mm -hmm. and, and unintegrated. Um, and with smaller organisations who are trying to grow, um, they get to the point where spreadsheets and, and workbooks and, and those old methodologies that were being used are lo no longer appropriate. So so we can work a lot across every, any industry, and we can work across any size of organisation. The, the the challenges that they face are very similar. Very similar, and I suppose the the outcomes and the benefits though are quite are quite common regardless of size. Yeah, I, I think the benefits, especially uh, around budgeting, forecasting, and planning, when you're starting to look for the future and you're starting to uh, prepare action plans and look at scenario modelling, uh, then the the benefits to an organisation of getting budgeting, planning, and forecasting uh, nailed down are, are tremendous. Right, and. Tony, I was going to say I think that's a, that's an interesting point because that's the uh, probably the one the one trigger point that we're seeing now uh, out in the market is obviously these are interesting times for all of us mm. as we as we look at Brexit, as we look at uh, the general election, as we look at a, a Scottish referendum potentially, as we look at what uh, our friends are doing in the US or you know non-friends are doing in the US. Uh, French general election, all that uncertainty across across the world. Mm -hmm. uh, the fi we find the finance departments have been asked to do more with less. Um, you know, we call it taking the uncertainty out of uncertainty, and it's how we actually help them 
uh, react very quickly to change, legislative change, political change, geopolitical change, how we, en how we enable them to react very quickly to that, to give the, you know, the C-suite a, a conduit through their business, no matter what's happening in the world. And do you find that that's filtering down from the C-suite, that the, the financial teams are, are coming under increasing pressure to be more predictive, to be more responsive, to, to actually put, not place a bet, but be more certain in, in the forecasting and the planning input that they're feeding up and down? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing we're, we're seeing the, you know the what if becoming the main question. Yeah, you know, we are seeing people arrive literally into finance suites and saying, you know, we've heard that this may happen. You know, there may be a general election. You know, mm -hmm. there may be a Scottish referendum. You know, Mr. Trump may nuke Pyongyang or whatever the you know whatever he goes next. Um, you know, what, what what does that mean to our business? A lot of our business are in, uh, are international in two ways. Mm. You know, they 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 are international businesses in which they trade with. Uh, overseas organizations a lot of them have overseas you know, overseas presence so they need to understand and react very quickly because you know they, they can lose the benefit of having an overseas manufacturing plant for instance or an, uh, an overseas financial uh, position mm -hmm. uh, very quickly unless they can react very quickly so so they they have been pushed and i think i guess pr probably finance departments have been squeezed so they've been squeezed from the top for the what if, yeah. and squeezed from below from you know production from you know the, the the trading floors whatever that may look like is that how do we react what you know what does reaction look like, and I think we're st we're starting to see more predictive analytics we, you know we you know effectively what I w what I call it actually driving the business looking through the looking through the front screen rather than looking through the rear the rear screen which we've always done right. you know that's the way we always did it um, and what we're also seeing of course is the rise of, of cognitive computing uh, as well. You know where the machines actually make the decision for you, so take the emotion out of the decision, and we, we, we're seeing more and more of, of that. And you know, clearly, we have to equip our our clients and yeah. the wider market. You know, if they'll let us, we have to equip them to be able to react at speed and with accuracy. So, yeah, I suppose when we often we often use the terms of doing more with less, but it's not just doing more with less budget as a department to, to spend on the technology to get the outcomes that you're after but but also it's doing more with less from from a time perspective from a yeah i suppose the the data that you harvest in i mean what what sort of what sort of trends what sort of i hate to use the word solutions do you see as being paramount in in kind of addressing some of these issues that you know, the likes of the financials Financial office and the C-suite are, are coming to you with. I think there are there are, there are a couple of things there. That, um, the doing more with less is really uh, over the last few years. The focus has been very much on big data. Yeah. You know, is, is how do we corral all of the data in the organisation? What data is there in the organisation? What sort of quality is it? What does it look like? How can we use it? And I think now we're at a situation where how do we do something with it? And how do we do something with it without literally starting from scratch? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of investment out there in, you know, in some of the technology suites, the underpinning technology suites that people use to process this. And one of the big challenges, or one of the big challenges that we have when we're working with organisations, is how we actually advise them on what they need, without throwing everything away, how, what they actually need to to move to the next level, to make sure that they are, you know, ready for the next challenge. So and what we're also seeing from the from the finance team. Or what I think is going to be coming quite quite heavily if we take it down to sort of the, the core processes, is we're going to see C-level executives arriving at the, the the finance team's desk and asking to perform a budget budget scenario one, budget scenario two, three, four, and five, 
And what we find is at the moment, companies struggling to do budget scenario one, let alone three, four, and five. So I was going to show my naivety in this, in sort of that, that rarefied space of, of the finance office. I, is, is it a case of, in, in the past, your experiences, those offices have been focused on creating just that one plan, rather than, I suppose, and again, I don't want to use... I don't want to use the word modelling, but if you know what I mean, giving a right what answering what you said earlier, that what if scenario, it's not just the extent of trading floors or big government offices, it's it's businesses from the SME up to the enterprise. Is that is that something that you're seeing? Yeah, I mean if you go back to, to my time as a CFO, we, we very much had an annual process, uh, a budget, um, and that was almost a top down process. So it didn't really flow down into the operational side of the business. If you're actually going to take budgeting and forecasting and planning seriously, it's got to be a bottom-up approach. Right. Um, and therefore, you've got to have enterprise software that deals with that. But you also need then to be able to look at one, two, three, four, five scenarios. Um, otherwise, you know, the, the, the budget is, it becomes a meaningless process. It also has to be integrated. I mean, that's that's the other piece that we're seeing. A lot of I, I, you know, we talk about silos, and we talk about the finance department being a silo in a in a in a business. Mm. What we're now seeing, of course, is that the fi the finance department is also siloed. There's guys working on consolidation. There's guys working on planning. There's guys working on modelling. Wow. You know, how do we bring all that together? You know, what with with the platforms that are out there, can we actually integrate all of that? And and make and make the most of all of the silos of information and data that sit under each each of those in, internal silos, as it were. So your conversations can be as much about integration and collaboration as they can about providing the uh, the best fit analytics tools and I suppose outcomes and reporting and dashboarding that yeah that customers need. You're spot on, and and that's what makes us different. And right. This, I mean, for me, this was the big attraction of joining Hain in the first place. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that you know the majority of our staff are qualified accountants, so if they are almost that old old term poacher turn gamekeeper. <laughs> so th these these guys, you know, I said, I, don't you, I think I'm the only non-accountant in the business. So so I sit down with these guys and I say, so how does this work? And you know, it, it, because they've struggled with exactly these problems. Right. Uh, we are we are a business aided by technology. We are not a technology business, if that makes sense. Perfect sense. Yeah. Perfect sense. I mean, one of the things that, that obviously we know know Hain for is that, yeah, yes, you have a lot of expertise and skills and and quite a plethora of case studies and and success stories around IBM's Cognos products. But in recent times, you have you've embarked on a journey, a story about about taking that Cognos from its I suppose its traditional deployment methodology and, and doing something a little bit different. Now, I'll let you explain exactly what you've done, but um, yeah, could you, could you give us an idea, not just from a, a technically what you've done, but also a little bit of the, the reasoning behind it and some of the business impacts on it. I mean, yeah, if there's anything yeah. or a, a case that you can reference to that, would be fantastic as well. Yeah, I think it, uh, this all started off... Um, while we were trying to decide what Hain looks like going forward, and we sat down with our with our client base, always a good place to start. <laughs> you know, let's go let's go and listen to what the people who consume our services really want out of this. And the one thing that we were getting more and more is is that you know, there is a real skill shortage out there. 
from a technical p uh, perspective. Yeah. Also, um, it, it, particularly in the Cognos space, you know, there there is a lot of uh, of technology out there, but has it really been developed at the speed that we w you know that a, n a number of other technologies have? And do all the bits of the Cognos suite work together? Right. Um, on premise, yes, they do. But if you've got to support that on premise, then there's all sorts of issues about skill sets and, and skill and sets, support, support, mm, all yep. sorts of costs associated. Actually, the with cost that. cost is the big one. Yeah. And, and the question the, the question that we were hearing more and more was, you know, we've all heard about this wonderful thing called the cloud. You know, is there a way that Hain can bring uh, cloud technology to bear in that space? Not only from a technology point of view, in other words, can we go and stick it in the cloud so we don't have to put it in a data center, but also then can we support it? Can we provide all the soft skills around Cognos, around the reporting, around consolidation? You know, can we provide all of those as well to, to effectively, I hate the word lift and shift, but effectively lift and shift the problem of the technology that supports the finance department out and let them concentrate on what they do? Yeah. So that's 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 really where this started, and we looked fairly hard at, at, at where we would put that. I mean, there's all sorts of options. We could put it into IBM's own cloud software. Mm -hmm. uh, question was was that the right thing to do? Is they had their own SaaS offer? Probably not. We looked at one or two of the other suppliers. We looked at, at AWS, and, and clearly that's a that's an option. Uh, but we plumped for Microsoft Azure. That's and purely because we have the weight of Microsoft behind us or behind that that technology. We know that tech. Technology is incredibly resilient. It's very, very scalable, and it's scalable at speed. Mm -hmm. And the art of cloud, the art of the whole art of cloud computing, is not about being able to scale up very quickly. It's been able to scale down very quickly. Yes. So that you know, for, for companies that are looking at divesting businesses, for companies that are looking to try and try something new, a project base, you know, can we do something different very quickly? The answer is yes, you can. But also, you can back it out very quickly mm -hmm. without the huge cost overrun of having to buy hardware and software and all that sort of sort of good stuff. And I think this is one of the things that I found with you know, with working with with people around we'll say the cloud. It, it's not migrating to the cloud because it's it's technically feasible, just because we can do it. It's not about yeah. Well, can I take a, an investment and can I can I change it from a capex to an opex? Can I can I reduce my costs? You know, it, it always seems to come back to that conversation about giving the business flexibility so that it can adapt and change to what it needs and be driven by its needs rather than be driven by the technology, yeah. which I think refers yeah. back to something you were saying earlier. Yeah, the word is elasticity, not yes. flexibility. Yes. Um, I, I, I was going to drive everybody mad with this. <laughs> so first of all, cloud is not hosting because it's flexible, but it isn't flexible, it's elastic. Yeah. And that's really what businesses need now. Business needs, uh, there's, you know, I said earlier on, that the challenges that are hitting, particularly the, the Office of Finance at the moment, are huge. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, they, they don't know what compute loads they need, what storage loads they need, all the things that, you know, we spend our days worrying about. They, 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 why should they worry? They've got enough problems modeling for, you know, for what their C-suite and what their, their, their customers are demanding from them. So what we're, so what we're saying is, if we move this into the cloud and wrap it with a service offering that you know, we'll keep it up, we'll keep it stable, we'll make sure you've got enough in, enough storage, enough compute load. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about all that stuff. You can you know make sure you can access it at the right speeds. Yes. You know, so so if you want to do it on mobile or and that's why we all do things these days, or, you know, on a train on the way back to Birmingham or whatever, you can do it. Yeah. And and so so that's where we that's where we very much pitched our offer. You know, our, our offer around in this space. We still support an awful lot of customers on premise, and, and will continue to do so. Mm -hmm. But we are seeing a huge shift, you know, to public cloud, 
yeah. you know, grew, grew by overall grew by about sixty eight percent across the piece last year wow. alone. It's just huge. Uh, so it's not really a case of, of pushing this concept. You are literally going into an open door because I think is it fair to say that that your clients are they're open to you know placing their their analytics session, moving the problem of the IT to experts like yourselves. How do they feel about things like um, data sitting in or outside of that's their enterprise? That's, is not, that that's not an issue. The, the, the data residency becomes an issue outside of the UK. Yeah. So particularly particularly in Russia and the Middle East, uh, where you have to let the local. Um, security services have full vision of what's actually sitting on the, mm -hmm. but there's all sorts of ways around that, and, and you know we have solved that in the past. We can solve that in the past. That's that's not an issue. The big the, the big trigger points are, you know, up until recently, the finance department, if the system went down or they weren't able to do modifications, or they could actually sort of say, well, okay, let's hang on for a couple of hours while we do that. The business yeah. now will not allow everything. Now is time critical. Yeah. Okay. So what. Because of that, we found that there are n normally one or two people in a, a very large organisation that are responsible for making sure that you know, sticking plaster stays on the machine while things are done. And you know, Mark can talk to consolidations and the times that con time consolidations take, for instance, can be a very long period of time. So you know, you can't wait now. You can't. So why not park it with someone who has those skills sitting around? Not you know, not that we have lots of people sitting on the bench, but you know, lots of people in the team who can service that. You know. If there is something that slows up, if there is something that looks like it may break, if, if we need extra support to get something done in a timely manner, we, we take all, it's, it's not just the technology issues, we take all the softer issues away from yeah. them as well. You've built your business to offer those services, whereas you know that's something that you can do that uh, an in-house IT team, just as you said, one, two people, they just don't physically have the capacity to, to do anything other than stick a plaster over it in yeah. some cases. Yeah, and, and, and we also had the issue when we are dealing with an on-premise customer mm. where where does the responsibility of the IT department end and where does the responsibility of the software supplier start? Yeah. And we've got that very grey area. Well, when, when you go to this cloud solution, there is no grey area. It's Hain is responsible for the whole thing end-to-end. -end. Yeah. So it takes away that piece of, um, piece of uncertainty mm. out of the equation. Um, the, other, the other thing to mention as well is we were talking earlier about um, the move to cloud. If we go back sort of 18 months, two years, and, and, and I'm an accountant by background, the finance team just didn't want to talk about cloud. No. It was about security. It was about, you know, do we want our data going off-premise somewhere into the cloud where we can't, yeah, can't have control mm -hmm. over it? I think over the last 12 months, I've seen a real sea change in finance teams accepting that the security of cloud and, and, and hosting, et cetera, is possibly better than they can provide internally. Mm. So that's been a real change. Yeah, I, think, I think it's security and resilience. I think that's the issue. The, you know, the fact is, if it's, on, if it's on my premise or in my data center and it falls over, it's a problem. Mm. If, it, if it's in the cloud, particularly on, with one of the large suppliers like Microsoft with, with the Azure cloud, you know, the, the resilience is there. So mm. if, they if they lose a major data center, that stuff is mirrored. So you know, as far, from an end user, really really doesn't matter and i suppose because from from your perspective you when it comes to those leading it vendors you've not placed as part of the hain solution you've not placed all your chickens in one basket or your, all your eggs in one basket rather uh chickens and eggs um it's not a a pure single stack from from one vendor you're using the best of breeds from where you've 
you see that you can leverage the most benefits uh, in this most case? Defi- most definitely. Um, uh, you know, the, w- we are here specifically talking, or in, in, the, you know, in the last few minutes we've been talking specifically around, you know, IBM Cognos sitting on Azure. Yeah. Um, you know, th- that's where we are right now. If the customer is pedantic or he has a state in other places, then we can look at, at other alternatives. You know, it, I, I guess probably we will end up in the same place as, as a number of other larger companies where we will effectively become cloud brokers. So, you know, we will select our cloud platform uh, based on performance and obviously the commercial aspect as well. At the moment, Microsoft serves us very well. And mm. they were, I, my, my feeling is, having sort of looked at, you know, all of the, the relevant public clouds, I think Microsoft are going to be there for a very long, you know, not there for a very long time, but as a leading cloud provider. You know, when we're taking all of the resilience and the support and everything else that we get from Microsoft, you know, they're going to be there for an awful long time. Mm. Just mindful of time, I, I, I'd be interested from from you both as to to what you see. You know, you've spoken about you know, the the change that you've seen in the last eighteen to twelve months. What to put you on the spot a little bit? What do you see as being sort of the challenges in the next twelve to eighteen months? Do you see that now we're at a point of well, you know, we've got not as far as we're going to get, but there's a there's an element of we pretty much know what what people are going to have as pain points and what stage there are in a level of cycle. But I'm probably guessing that, you know, you've some ideas what might be around the corner and where, where you're thinking of taking your solution and the sorts of sorts of problems and, and issues that customers are going to face in the next, you know, couple of years. Or is it, you know, is that too much sort of navel-gazing and staring into I, I a crystal prob- ball sort yeah, of thing? I think the problem is it's, it's not what we know in the technology space. I mean, we, we're very close to, to IBM and the rest of our vendor partners. Mm. Um, so we have a fairly good view of, of where they're going as, as technologists. Yeah. We have a fairly good handle on where the market's going and the market is going cloud. I mean, that, it, that's it. You know, it's, yeah. it's not a case of if, it's a case of when. Uh, and we're seeing the big banks do it. We're seeing the security services do it. I mean, the CIA and, and the FBI both moved their entire platforms to cloud. Yep. You know, so all the security issues now literally go away. I'm sure the NSA will have something to say about <laughs> that. Well, certainly our friends at WikiLeaks will probably have something to say about that, but but in the meantime. So I think that's, that's not so much of an, <laughs> a, an issue. I think that the wider issue is we don't know what we don't know. <laughs> I hate that. It's Rumsfeldism, isn't it? We I don't know, know what yes. we don't know. Uh, you know. It's the uncertainty of uncertainty. Mm. And uh, you know, we are in a really interesting time now as we look out, you know, we look at the morning papers and take our feeds from Sky News. You know, we are in a really interesting situation. And mm. I think what we don't know or what we can't, we, we can sort of guess, but we can't absolutely nail down is what the demands will be from our customers. Yeah. So what we have to do is provide elasticity both in the services that we provide, in the technology platforms that we provide, and and also in you know align ourselves to the way that they want to work, and that for us is you know being being the you know the, the hybrid elastic supplier yeah. probably is, is our end game. Uh, yeah, and I think for the office of finance, we're looking at a very very interesting three or four years. We you know the the change of the role of finance over the last three or four years has been rapid, but it's going to get even more rapid. Yeah. rapid going forward. Um, finance departments are going to be need to be agile, adaptable. They need to be able to change very quickly. They're going to need to embrace technology. Um, they're going to need to be able to scenario model going forward. Um, most of the organizations that we come to are still struggling with those core processes. So you've got to get those three core processes sorted out. Close, consolidate, budget forecast plan, report and analyze. If you can get those three sorted out, it places you in a great position. 
I think those customers who are going to make uh, a real go of Brexit and are going to uh, move ahead of the competition are going to be those companies who have got those three core processes nailed down now, and they can then start to look at predictive and, and decision optimization to actually give them a, a commercial advantage going forward. So for those, for those organizations who are in the know, I think they'll use Brexit and the other uncertainty to move ahead of the market. So you think it's no surprise that you know the, the businesses that start to look at things like cognitive and AI will be the ones that have got that foundation well and truly set? Yeah, 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 indeed, yeah, indeed. Brilliant. That's brilliant. I mean, gentlemen, we're, we're rapidly approaching the end of what for me has been quite a fascinating 30 minutes. Um, is the, just in summary, I mean, yeah, we can look at, I think it's fair to say that, that you know, you guys and, and Hain have, have experienced a lot of conversations around clients looking to do more with less about the, the pressures that are coming down from C-suite to the, to the finance office and, and, and trying to break out of silos and, and address things like skills shortages and, and look to, to you know, basically get those fundamentals in place. Is, is there anything else, just, just to wrap up, any final thoughts or, or any sort of, I won't say predictions because I think you've answered that question, but, but certainly final thoughts as to, to what you think, you know, <clears throat> should be maybe the, the first thing for, for businesses to look at to embark on maybe a journey of kind of making sure they've got those those uh, yeah. foundations yeah. in place. Yeah, for, uh, for me, that's, that, that's, that's relatively simple. Um, the one thing we put in place at Hain um, very quickly was the whole thing around landscape assessment. Right. So that's effectively using experts, people like us, uh, to come in and do very short, snappy uh, audits on capability. Uh, technology capability, ease of move, um, you know, ease of technology upgrade, all of that type. Of, we call it we call it Hain 3D Vision. You know, we do it for our customers. Um, you know, I will say almost for free, uh, for free in most cases actually, because we we believe it's something that adds real value from a Hain perspective to to the client. But what it does, it, it gives them an inside view of the the challenges that they're going to face to stay ahead of the curve. Brilliant. Mark, anything from you or do you think that's... No, I think that's, that, that's very succinctly put. Um, I think uh, going into an organisation and trying to look at the efficiency and effectiveness of their core processes and trying to, trying to move the finance team really to that, uh, that strategic point, um, giving them the time and the, and the ability to be able to add value. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. Um, I think, yeah, that's, that's pretty much a, a great place to leave things by saying if anybody is interested in finding out more, contact Hain, contact ourselves uh, via the website, via Twitter, uh, and, and all the other social media platforms that we're on, uh, and ask certainly about uh, Hain 3D Vision for a start. And uh, if you're interested in analytics in the cloud, I think we've just met two very interesting gentlemen and a business that can certainly help you on that journey. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you all for listening. Goodbye. Thank you very much for listening. Please subscribe and visit us at theitinsider.co.uk.